Good morning, everyone, and we welcome you to our Saturday morning Bible study on Revelation. We're so glad you could join us today. We are recording from the North Star Cottage this morning, and we are privileged to have Thomas with us <laughs> in person, and he will begin. Welcome, everybody, and uh, as we kick off our new season for our Bible study, I think we've all been <laughs> anticipating and looking forward to this. Uh, we say, I hope I am. So I'll start out with our quote. Um, for three years, Mrs. Eddy withdrew from the world to meditate and pray and search the scriptures. And she enjoined all students of Christian science to study the scriptures and science and health with key to the scriptures habitually. And we should value daily our study before everything else. For this study promotes the individualization of the signs of life. The scriptures, when understood in the light of the revelation of our textbook, become fundamental and very sacred to the student of Christian science. Mrs. Eddy says, the Bible was written in order that all peoples in all ages should have the same opportunity to become students of the Christ truth and thus become God endued with power, knowledge of the divine law, and with signs following. Uh, so this is from Addresses by Martha Wilcox, uh, page 339. Thank you. Yeah. <clears throat> well, I, when I read this um, quote, I, well, for a couple of things came to me, but I wish I had um as a child growing up in a you know, you know growing up as a christian scientist going to sunday school and everything i wish i had it had been emphasized to me that i must love the bible both texts you know science and health and the bible but to love the bible and i never until really coming here um I never really loved the Bible. And um, I think as a child, that is so important to to love it and why we must love it. And, and it's, it's so why it's so important to our lives. And then we can turn to it for absolutely everything. And I know I read this before, a long time ago, um, but my grandfather, I know I've stated my grandfather, I'm sure was taught by one of the early workers. I don't know who, but because there were a lot of materials amongst his things that I'd never even heard of or read until coming here to Plainfield. And one of the things that was amongst his papers was this quote from Mrs. Eddy that it said it was a quote from Mrs. Eddy that was written in front of her Bible. And this is what it says. It is a book of laws to show the right and wrong. It is a book of wisdom that condemns folly. It is a book of truth that condemns error. 
It is a book of life that shows the way from everlasting death. It will puzzle the most skillful anatomist and critic. It exposes the subtle sophist and drives divines mad. It is the best covenant that was ever agreed to by the best deed that was ever sealed. It is a complete code of laws, a perfect body of divinity, and unequaled narrative. Author, God, Mary Baker Eddy. Wow, thank you. Very good. That's, yeah. worth, that's worth preserving and publishing. Yeah, we'll yeah, put that on the, please text it or send it to Jeremy. We'll put that under the okay. Mary quotes. Okay. Okay, and then, of course, under that, I put what she writes in miscellaneous writing. Quote, the Bible is the learned man's masterpiece, the ignorant man's dictionary, the wise man's directory. So, you know, to love this from the first moment that a child can, can be taught that this is, it has the answer to everything. Even as a child, they could learn to turn to it for everything. <laughs> well, I think this is why she also says that in teaching children, she gives the three the, the Ten Commandments, of course, the Sermon on the Mount, and the Lord's Prayer. But she also yeah. says that subsequently we have to teach them, of course, according to their age, but look at the lesson, which has both the Bible and the science and health, and adapt it. And this is why we read uh, a, a story, one of the stories from the Bible each, each week, with the older children at least. Um, it's it's a way of them getting, you know, maybe they'll get their own, some of them have gotten their own Bibles, and it's a book to love. It's a book to teach children to love, to go to it themselves. Mm-hmm. We do it with the younger kids too. Yeah. And it captures the, her love, passionate, I think, love of the Bible and its purpose more than I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and somewhere she does say that if you want the children to love the Bible, read read them the stories, and and they will naturally love it. But this is hugely, hugely important. Thank you, all of you. Thank you so much. Because there is anti-Bible rhetoric going on to teach people not to read the Bible, and our children. You don't read it in school, heaven forbid. And um, it picks out, you know, some of the more austere <laughs> things in the Bible and uh, and then and then makes it seem as if that's the whole Bible. Well, it's not. And it is this spiritual interpretation thereof that Mrs. Eddy says we must have. So that that all was just thank you all for what you said. It's beautiful. I've also heard from from my kids that online they talk about like say Locke, you know, in the Bible and his like parts of his story are definitely not good, but the Bible doesn't teach it like, hey, do this thing. It yeah, says, right. you know, watch out for this stuff. <laughs> so when I told my kids the context of it, they're like, oh, okay. It's because it's just ignorance. You know? yeah. so. I think also how important it is for us ourselves as a grown-ups, so-called, to to be the example of what we are telling them to do, because it doesn't mean anything. If we're just telling them, you know, you must love the Bible, read this and stuff, and they see us doing 
the opposite. Exactly, yes. Yeah. Your, your Bible, one of the preachers once said, you, you can look at your Bible. Does it look used or is it just put up on a shelf somewhere that no one ever looks at? Or, or does it look like you love it and use it and well-worn? So, so important. And, you know, Benjamin, he, he didn't grow up in Christian science. It was Christian in Nigeria, but he was taught the Bible studies and Bible stories, excuse me. And he, when he came to America, I mean, he just loved the Bible. He knew all the stories and he just thought they were so wonderful. It was just in him. And I thought, wow, you know, what's the matter with America? Right. <laughs> and he did give a testimony quite a long time ago about waking up in the middle of the night. And, you know, I don't know if it was a bad dream or whatever, but he turned to his, his table and he had the Bible right there and he opened right. it. Yes, he was very ill. Yep, and it healed him. Yep. And I don't remember which one of our forefathers, John Adams or... Benjamin Franklin, but one of them said that a democracy will only survive under a Bible reading nation. Yes, Adams, I think. Adam, John Adams. I think that's that was the dictionary guy. Yeah. Um, oh, Noah Webster? I think so. Well, anyway, it was one of the early guys. And yes, and that's another thing they're wiping out, uh, that, that our, our founding fathers, our early, uh, these people were not, you know, not Christians, not religious. And, and that the total thing, the total truth is the opposite. That's why Linda is doing these models of excellency, to reteach the children the truth. And they're, it's very precious, each one she does. And it's a, quite a variety of people that get chosen. But to show how Christianity, all that's ever been done for the world has been based on man's love for God, Christ, Christianity. Did everyone live up to the ideal perfectly? No, <laughs> it still made tremendous progress for the world. And that we cannot spit on, so to speak. It's interesting how people will shoot down the ideal because maybe somebody just approached it, but not completely. Yes. But the, there's nothing wrong with the ideal. And, you know, here we have the Bible is held so sacredly, you know, that it's in our courtrooms, etc. Because there was a time when it was generally understood that we needed it. You know, we had freedom but it was something that needed to be defended and preserved and carefully watched over. And the Bible was key to it. There are peoples in other countries in the world that are hungering and thirsting for the Bible, Yes. but they're not even per permitted to possess one. And if they're caught with one, it comes with severe punishment. Many of them are memorizing chapters because they can't have the Bible. I mean, we kind of whine over memorizing a hymn or something. Try memorizing a whole chapter uh, in the Bible. <laughs> it's a good thing to do in your spare time. Um, I have the quote. It was Horace Greeley. Yes, thank you. And it's, thank the you. whole quote is short. It just it, He says, it is impossible to enslave mentally or socially a Bible-reading people 
The principles of the Bible are the groundwork of human freedom. That's the whole quote. Thank you. Thank you very much. Very important because that's what they're trying to do. Take the Bible from yeah. us so they so we can become enslaved. It's right there. It's out in the open. They're not even they're not even hiding it anymore. But people have been so brainwashed that uh, you know they're they're just buying into the false suggestions, which is why this Bible study class is so important, and the churches of Revelation are so important. They teach us lessons, just as Karen was quoting in the beginning. Important lessons, things I never knew. And and I know um, it's been said that Christian scientists notoriously don't know the Bible. I mean, Tom would talk about that all the time. Absolutely, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> they, we just read our lesson, but we don't know the whole stories. We don't know any other story except if it was in the lesson. Uh, and this must stop. Well, yeah. one of the things I've observed growing up in Christian science, because we don't study the Bible perhaps as much as other Christian churches, is that they start filling their head with things about the Bible, such as Peter did not write this particular epistle. Mm -hmm. um, Isaiah did not write this portion of Isaiah. What someone mentioned this morning, Esther is just a story. She never existed. And so on and so on. So when it comes time to what do they know from the Bible, it's not about all <laughs> the, the lessons you can learn from the Bible and the spirituality. It's all about that person did not exist or <laughs> right. they didn't write that or this is fake or something like that. <laughs> Thanks a lot. You, you hear all that before the Bible study. Why bother? <laughs> yeah. But I don't know if the rest of you have seen that, but yeah. that's what I've seen mm -hmm. with Christian scientists. They tend to learn that aspect of the Bible as to this really wasn't written back then. It was written much later. Therefore, it maybe it's not fully true, that type of stuff. That's the path that leads you on. That's that's the path of intellectuality, yeah. and they're trying to show how very smart they are, and they're really showing how very <laughs> they are. <laughs> <laughs> According to kindergarten children, you're not supposed to say that oh, word. How could I say that? Yeah. And we call that devil talk, like oh. Jesus was tempted by the devil in the wilderness. That's yeah. like something that your grandmother would have said. That's wonderful. Thank you. Devil talk. That's all part of the sentiment that wants to, what shall I say, debunk or degrade the Bible. And it's bad. It is. Well, it's wicked. Yeah. It's wicked. The human mind is a murderer. And what, what, so, you know, let's get down to brass tacks here. What is it that re is required? To love what's in the Bible. The love of God. Yeah. Have the mind of Christ. It, yeah, exactly. It requires a free thinking, spiritual sense, which is native to every one of us. However, there appears to be the opposite. The devil, the human, so-called human mind which says there's life, truth, intelligence, and substance in matter that is opposed to spiritual sense. And of course, it would try to debunk the Bible. It would try to discourage everyone from 
reading and loving what's in the Bible. It would try to destroy the churches that enlighten people to what's in the Bible. And don't we see that in spades throughout the world and in Boston and elsewhere? So it's no wonder that so many people going through the branch church Sunday schools don't know the Bible. Because the human mind, which loves the organization more than God, is going it is is not going to open up the Bible to our children. Those teachers who do enough to teach the Bible, they're the ones. You know, we hear testimonies. I remember I had a teacher in Sunday school that taught me such and such, and that truth has stayed with them all these years. It's it's mighty and powerful. And I, I've told some of you, you know, on Monday nights, we have this uh, movie night. And a few weeks ago, we watched National Treasure. And I wanted to see it again, mainly because of the last scene. They come upon this huge, huge treasure, Nicolas Cage. And this huge treasure goes on and on and on of all kinds of gold, that kind of treasure. Uh, and along with that, there's the antagonist guy that's trying to steal it. And he's a you know bad guy. But Nicholas Cage prevails and gets it and distributes it among all the museums throughout the world. But the reason that I love that so much is that it reminded me of when we came independent and all heaven opened up to us. All the books we got, all the understanding that science and health and the Bible opened up. And it was the greatest of all treasures that there ever could be. And is this not what we read in Proverbs? That wisdom is greater than all the jewels and gold. And it's, it's this wisdom and this beautiful quote that Tom found for us from Martha Wilcox, what Mrs. Eddy said, available to all people everywhere. It's wonderful. But we just have to know it and, and give it out freely. And our love for it will destroy this other anti-business. That's going on. This is the only place that teaches that good is for everyone. Yes. Yeah, you felt that when you came here, right? Oh, yes, absolutely. Uh, that's That was probably one of the moments I realized I was finally in the right place. <laughs> and, and, and maybe the next moment was that very first Bible study that I was a part of when I came here. I ended up researching stuff and it was in, in the New Testament and I found something about a Q document, I think, and I don't know, an M document, whatever, <laughs> you know, all these things. And I started reading them and I got that sick feeling I used to get when I would read about other religions and whatnot. And I said, oh, I really hope they don't like this stuff. <laughs> Thankfully you don't. <laughs> oh, I'm so grateful for that. It, it has to be in the Sermon on the Mount. It has to be Christ Christianity. Nina, thank you for our Bible studies because through all the work that we've done and seen, it's when the people stayed faithful to God, they were successful. When they turned to themselves and they were selfish and they were evil and envious, they went right down. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Right into our yeah. Wonderful lesson.
for us as adults and for our children to learn. The earlier they learn those lessons, the better off they'll be. And it is available to everybody, except as Bruce said, some places where it is prohibited. And why? Because they want a dictatorship and total control. Yeah. Yeah, the stories we heard before about China with them memorizing yeah. like almost all the Bible. Yeah, so a book of the Bible memorized. Amazing. And, and, and that Adil that used to do translating, he'd memorize all the songs. Oh, and all yes. That. So yes, that's right. People are doing it. Yeah, they're doing it. So so for us to be blase or think, oh, the Bible, we, we should wake up every morning thanking God we have <laughs> yeah. this Bible, Science and Health, and all the other wonderful early worker writings. Uh, what a thing to be grateful for. Yeah, blase, right? It talks about Laodiceans there. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Talk about, yeah. But this lady from world. China that memorized a book of the Bible <laughs> said with a smile, they can take the Bible away, but they can't take away what's in my heart. That's right. And that's, that's the real key. You know, Mrs. Eddie told us it was the inspired word. You know, if it's in the heart, it, then, then there's a fire going there, a fire of spirit. That's uh, that, that's good. And Thank even you. in a communist depressed area, you know, the word of God can reach people. There's no limit to where God's word can go and the amount of good it can do. Thank you. Because truthfully, it is in the heart. I remember Florence was, would say that when these mask mandates and everything were going on. Well, you know, we might have to do these things. Can't take it from our hearts what we know to be true, and uh, and is that ever true? And we'll break every oppression and set the captive free. Ever since the printing press, the Bible has been the greatest, the number one selling book throughout history. Ever since the printing press, and the printing press was discovered or invented because. It, the Bible needed to be put in the hands of everybody. And I look at the Internet as sort of the same thing. I mean, I've got my complaints about it, but it has allowed our, our website for all, to go around the world. So I sort of look at it as the same as the printing press. Why was the printing press invented? It wasn't for all these other books. It was for the Bible. It's and, um, yeah, it was... Uh, until then, nobody could get it unless they could pay to have it beautifully illustrated by the monks or whatever. But I look at the our, our internet as it's getting the word out to the whole world. No, absolutely. We have a 24-7 reading room. Yes, I love the fact that it's being referred to as the reading room. I love that. <laughs> they tried to take that away from us. And they they couldn't. It only got better. <laughs> it only yeah. got. Better. And then we were ready when all these mandates came and churches were closing and other things. We had this. We we were all ready. We were already online. God has prepared every step of our that we've had yeah. to take, and and it's been prepared even before it happened. Um, well, which, that's very interesting because when you what I've observed over the years is that. The reading rooms that we're talking about tend to have fewer and fewer hours. Yes. And then I'm also seeing where some churches don't have reading rooms and they don't really say anything. They're supposed to, right? But they don't really say anything because <laughs> they, under they understand 
situation, so to speak, right? right? So either have fewer hours or no reading room. That's exactly right. Yeah, the reading room in Summit, New Jersey, which is yes. where we used to get our books, just closed. They moved it into the church building mm -hmm. down the street and out of town. I haven't been there. But and it's only, you know, you have to go out of your way and it's only open at certain times or after a service. And you see, what if what if you could only get science and health at the reading room? Well, that was a great block. So now the reading rooms are closed. And you can't get science and health. Thank goodness that's not true. And you can buy it online. You can get it everywhere. Thank God for online and, uh, and Amazon and yeah, other places. You can get it on the phone now. You can get everything on your phone, the Bible as well. Yes. Hallelujah. They can't stop it. So um, our topic for today, I think we've been talking about this, yeah. but uh, it fits in right with our quote and our discussion. So the topic is, it is a blessed thing to study the scriptures. So this came from Matthew Henry's whole Bible commentary. And actually it was posted some time ago up in our notes. This is why I mentioned that. After we have a Bible study, it's good to look and see what people have posted. But this was posted there, and I, I felt that. I'm going to read this beautiful. again because I really like it. It is a blessed thing to study the scriptures. It's beautiful. Blessed. Thank you. What we were talking about. Right. You want blessed means happy. It makes you happy. <laughs> it does. We have all our friends in the Bible. There are our friends. That's why we can, they're none lonely, none afraid. Not him. Anyway, our Bible is full of our, our companions and friends if we make them that way. Mm -hmm. Well, Mary gave me an email that she received, and I thought I'd read this right now. So it says here, Dear Mary, I am really loving my study of Tomlinson's open book of revelations and studying the pages Tom asked us to study. I am thinking of you today as you all gather for the Bible study. Can hardly wait to hear it later. I love the Bible studies. So I'm Australian. <laughs> I love that. Thank you. I guess I won't say her name, but thank you very much. That was I got that right before it came over. I do too. I know you all do. We all do. What's not to love, right? <laughs> it's not to love. <laughs> okay, thank you, Tom. Okay, so we'll go into uh, question one. Um, so um, at the moment I've lost my count, but I think we're down to the last blessing that Tom Watson identified uh, in the book of Revelations. So we've been going through these, you know, for each Bible study. I think it's wonderful because it kind of reinforces the message that we just talked about in the topic. It's a blessed thing to study the scriptures. And, 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 and in a sense, that was the theme for studying Revelations is we are blessed by studying the book of Revelations. So uh, going on with what is the blessing, I'll read this. Blessed are they that do his commandments that they may have right to the tree of life 
it may enter in through the gates into the city. And that's Revelation chapter 22, verse 14. Well, on page 496 in Science and Health, Mrs. Eddy says, you will learn that in Christian science, the first duty is to obey God, to have one mind, and to love another as yourself. And that covers the Ten Commandments. If you obey the first one, you can't disobey any of the others because they have to do with your neighbor. Right, and we can take it a step further, can't we? Because life yeah. is spiritual. And obedience to the truth, obedience to God, is how we actually reflect the life that is God. In other words, if we're not reflecting, if we're not obeying the truth, are we actually alive? Exactly. At that point, we may think we are, but we can't be we can't be experiencing the bliss of loving unselfishly. We can't be experiencing the peace that no man can taketh away. We can't be experiencing the qualities of life that is divine. We're in the enigma of so-called human belief, struggling to find something that we're not finding <laughs> until we start obeying the truth. So to have the right to the tree of life, the life that is God, which is the only life, we have to live in obedience to his commandments because his commandments are the laws that govern the universe, including us. Now that may not be that easy to do, but it is actually quite simple in concept. Yeah. Yeah, that's really fundamental. You want to live? Well, don't get sucked into, you know, selfish indulgence, selfish amusement. You know, we're here for a purpose. And the greater joy is doing what God has for us to do. And uh, it's really pretty fundamental. In, in reading all that, I had to make it simple for myself. It's like... Happy is one who is faithful and loves to do the will of God. For in living the commandments, he increases his own spiritual discernment and thus sees what is wrong more readily and gets to enjoy the power and freedom that comes with doing God's will. That, to me, it just makes it more simple um, for me. And it makes me able to... Uh, do the best I can to live it. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. That seems like a that's very helpful. Good, good explanation <laughs> of what the individualization of the science of life is. So I'll thank go. you. Yes. Yeah, and and the understanding of all this comes after our obedience. People might think they don't want to obey the commandments or Sermon on the Mount for whatever reason. 
And you certainly won't understand the power of them unless you just start obeying them. And then you will see the great wisdom that is in the, in the commandments that God has given us. He gives it to us out of love because we will be happy if we obey them and very unhappy when we disobey. And when we start doing that, we will find that we will be able to obey that still small voice that guides us every minute of every day as to what we should do with our lives. You know, you get an idea to do something. And oftentimes, like, you know, I will get an idea to do something and I won't have the foggiest idea why <laughs> I'm supposed to do it. But when I feel the peace that God is directing me to do something and I do it, I find out later why I was supposed to do it. And the temptation is when I get, you know, when you get an idea that you, you, that seems kind of off the wall, that you may not understand why, the temptation is to say, oh, well, I don't understand why, so I'm not going to pay attention to it. That's disobedience to God's commandment. Because the still small voice is God speaking to us. And this is, you know, this is a very challenging way to live. But when we, when we trust our spiritual sense, and learning to trust our spiritual sense is a discipline, and it's not always easy. <laughs> but it's very quiet. <laughs> and it can be very quiet, yeah. But that's why we have to, that's why we have to live um, we have to shut out the noises of the world um, so that we can hear God's voice because it does come to us quietly. And when we obey it, the most wonderful things happen and the greatest peace comes to us. When we ignore them or when, or when we fail to even listen to them because we're surrounding ourselves with a lot of noise, and distractions, then we miss out on all the good, or a lot of the good. But thank God we have a God that is very patient with us. And when we stop fooling around with all the noise of the world, he gives us new opportunities every minute of every day. <laughs> Carrie sent a few articles that were helpful in this regard. One. The vision of St. John by Ernest Moses. But it, he says, the earnest student of Christian science actually experienced the fruition of the promise found in that wonderful 22nd chapter. Blessed are they that do his commandments that they may have a right to the tree of life. They learn that this divinely conferred right comes through consecration, humility, obedience, self-correction, and demonstration in healing sin and sickness here and now. To enter in through the gates of the city is not a transition to be hoped for in a dim and distant hereafter, but a transformation of consciousness here below. And all who study the revelation of John through the lens of Christian science find that the entire writings of the great disciple are a wonderful help working out their individual problems. 
here a little, there a little, the spiritual sense unfolds. And then I, I love this, what Mrs. Eddy says. Um, it was what, uh, it's in the things to handle daily. It's in, and it's also in page 37 of Watches, Prayers, and Arguments. Realize for yourself and all each day, clear and strong, that the Christ truth does not merely open the windows of heaven for us or promise us heaven, but the knowledge of the Christ in Christian science is heaven here and now. This knowledge of truth, as is taught in science, is heaven's open door for all. So that's it. We've been given not just the hope of heaven, but we've been given heaven. <laughs> it's wonderful. So why not experience that and know it is for all people? And if I be lifted up, I will. Amen unto me. Yes. Well, and I think that's why our textbook is called The Key Scriptures. Because it opens up the scriptures in their spiritual meaning. And what greater blessing could anybody have? It's so exciting you know, that we have this to do. It just makes every day so wonderful and worthwhile. No matter what we're doing during the day, we have this wonderful truth, this revelation. It is exciting. It's well, it's exciting. very exciting because it it heals the sick and it raises the dead. I mean, <laughs> how much yeah, more exciting could it be? Yeah, that's <laughs> it. And what is more worth our attention than this and our devotion to it? Yes, for our children. Yeah, for future generations. Yeah. For, it's very exciting. A lot of the hopelessness and the depression and all that is because of the lack of this. No, no reason for living, really. <laughs> That's, it. That's it. That's why the suicides and, and depressions, it does not have to be just a glimpse of mustard seed, right? Mm -hmm. Little mm -hmm. tiny. It grows. The seeds grow wherever they're planted. Okay, so we'll move on to... Uh... Uh, a lesson from one of the letters. Okay, question two. Um, sorry, I keep wanting to say a joke about this. <laughs> like, I'm so so about this question or something like that. But anyway, um, what is the lesson of the letter, letter to the Church of Laodicea? Well, one of the lessons is a very strong lesson is to not be neutral, be full of the spirit, strive to know and do the will of God, seek him in all your ways, be single minded. And Reverend Tomlinson gave um, some very good references to look there. Um, Revelation 3:18, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed and anoint thine eyes with eye cells that thou mayest see. And then he gives references from 
the Bible and from Mrs. Eddy's writings. Um, Proverbs 23, 23, buy the truth and sell it not. Also, wisdom and instruction and understanding. Matthew 13, 44, the kingdom of heaven is like unto treasure hid in a field, the which when a man hath found, he hideth, and for joy thereof goeth, and selleth all that he hath, and buyeth that field. And from Mrs. Eddy's miscellaneous writings, page 342, he shares, seek truth and pursue it. It should cost you something. You are willing to pay for error and receive nothing in return. But if you pay the price of truth, you shall receive all. How much more should we be faithful over the few things of spirit that are able to make us wise unto salvation? Thank you. And tell me, what what do you think gold tried in the fire is? to you purifying purification process purifying it's pretty ugly when it's going through its purification process but in the end it's beautiful (laughs) it's pretty awful looking (laughs) are you really willing to stand up in your own house and stand for what you know is right and be willing to take the heat from people in your own home when you're standing up for right and prove that it's right, willing to be crucified if necessary for standing for what's right. Are you willing to do that? Yes, it's a choice. Well, it's a good question. I ask myself that question. I mean, fortunately, my household is is supportive <laughs> of this, but not everybody that I meet or yeah, have around that, me. All that took a while to get there. That all of that didn't happen, it, and there were many people we did stand up. We, it, we had to we had to leave for at least a time. Uh, people sitting in this room have had that experience as well. And this isn't this this is Bible teaching. This isn't austere. This is what Jesus says, isn't it? Um, you know, the beautiful quote about those who have left family. And um, I can't quote it exactly, but the reward of that is wonderful. And we don't do it because a lack of love. We do it because we love all the more. How can you help someone if you're down in the muddle with them? You have to, as I just said, you rise up and you'll draw all men unto you. One of the worst things that Mrs. Eddy has told us about human nature is that human harmony makes you feel like you don't need anything. I think that's one of the most telling statements in this letter to, from Laodicea. Oh, you've got all these riches and you feel like you don't need anything. Yeah. Really? Well, that's the inactive state where the devil comes in and uses you for an evil purpose. Whereas if you were on one side or another and active with whatever side, well, at least you're active and you're doing something and we can make some progress there. But when you're cozy and happy and you're lazy as a result of it, I mean. uh, You're you're poor and you're naked. 
<laughs> and, and you don't even know it. Don't even you know. Don't it. even know it. You compromise so much. Um, over and over, you're compromising all your standards. You know, you're giving in over and over. Pretty soon, you don't have a standard. What I always forget the name of us. That we had a whole Bible study about that. Tom about the some kind of a standard. It was an Amos. Oh, the yes, the plumb line. The plumb line, yeah. The plumb line, yeah. The plumb line is gone. Yeah. You've got to keep that standard. And if you do with love, people will respect you. They might not like it, but they'll they'll just have to deal with that. You have to be who and what you are, and you can't let your standard trail. And sometimes it takes a while. It does. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, it usually takes a while. <laughs> like always. <laughs> and there will be people who will leave you because they will be offended by that. Yes. Yeah. As they left Jesus, as they left Mrs. Eddie, as they've left anybody who, who, who lives correctly. But they, you know, and you have to let them leave you yeah. and work it out for themselves. You can't work it out for them as much as you might want to. You know, especially if they're your children or, you know, or yeah, other kind of relatives. But they will get it because God will give it to them. Disciples, that if, if anyone they went to, to teach didn't want the doctrine, just shake the dust off their feet and, right. and move on. So. Right. See, they, these are the things that this church didn't want to do. They compromised. They... They were very lukewarm. They tried to get along with everybody. and uh, They were politically correct. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which meant was, they didn't stand for anything. Yeah, that's right. Which means they would fall for anything, right? Right. Yeah. I think I read, go ahead. I read the, pic, the, the uh, paper by Carolyn Getty called The Seven Churches. Yeah, that was great. And I found it very interesting what she says, that the state of mortal mind called moral idiocy is most graphically set forth in the message of the spirit to the Laodicean church. Um, and I looked up moral idiocy, what Mrs. Eddy says about it, and I found it very interesting and very appropriate to what's going on today. And I, and it, it all, it, everything that everybody's mentioned, it all comes under this heading. Um, she says on page 112 in miscellaneous writings, the mental stages of crime, which seem to belong to the latter days, are strictly classified in metaphysics as some of the many features and forms of what is properly denominated in extreme cases, moral idiocy. And then she talks about how she went to visit this, um, the, the uh, I visited in his cell the assassin of President Garfield and found him in the mental state, state called moral idiocy. And this is what I think is so appropriate. I mean, it's, oh my gosh, this is what's going on today. He had no sense of his crime, but regarded his act as one of simple justice and himself as the victim. And then of course she said, my words touched him. He sank back in his chair, limp and pale. His flippancy had fled. Then she goes on, this mental disease is that at first shows itself in extreme sensitiveness, then in the loss of self-knowledge and of self-condemnation, a shocking inability 
to see one's own faults, but an exaggerating sense of another people's. Unless this mental condition be overcome, it ends in a total loss of moral, intellectual, and spiritual discernment. And as characterized in the scripture, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. I mean, that's what's going on today. They have no no sense of his crime, but regards his act as one of simple justice and himself as a victim. I thought, wow. <laughs> much, yeah. That's about the worst state, moral idiocy. You have no sense yeah. of wrong. You are so hypnotized. You have been so hypnotized. You don't know up from down. I'll put it that way. <laughs> and didn't the guard say that other people have sent him flowers, but you have given yes. them Yes. So yes. obviously this moral idiocy has other people that would applaud it. So Yeah. Well, exactly. And isn't that science is here to heal? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's to get rid of the belief that there is a mind other than God yeah. that could commit such a trauma yeah. bitter than justice. It means that he must have reached him with divine love to wake him from this dream. Thank you, Craig. Divine love, not human so-called love. Yeah, or your proper father was the era. But divine love. And divine love is principled and not uncompromising. It has truth. That's why truth is always usually mentioned. Life, truth, and love. Yeah, she loved him. She didn't hate him you know, for committing right. crime. She loved him for being so mesmerized that he would do such a thing. Mrs. Eddie said somewhere that basically if uh, you reach somebody with divine love, then you will heal, heal them at the first. Yes, if, if the love reaches them. Yeah. Reaches is what's important. Right. <clears throat> Balance in science and health. Yes. Right. And and Getty says in the last paragraph here, she says this the mental state of the seventh church indicates spiritual deadness, but this too can be overcome. For just as material idiocy can be and has been cured by the glorious teachings of Christian science. So this phase of moral idiocy can be cured. Let there not be lacking the gentle entreaty to buy gold tried in the fire and the white raiment of moral purity. Let there be the anointing of the blind eyes, which causes them to open once again to spiritual understanding. For always and ever there stands at the door of human consciousness the Christ idea, knocking for admittance, and ours it is to know that this knocking is heard and heeded. Repentance and overcoming tell of full awakening from an unreal dream into the glorious reality set forth in these words on page 536 of Science and Health. Quote, the divine understanding reigns is all and there is no other consciousness. Thank you. That article is wonderful if you haven't read it. Thomas listed it on Things to Read, the Carol and Getty article about the seven churches of Revelation. She's an amazing woman, too. Is she? 
I don't know she about. went over to France and she did a lot to uh, establish Christian science in France. Oh. Yeah. yeah, I do love what she says about animal magnetism and malpractice. Um, what, what they have to meet is nothing and nothing can do nothing at any time yeah. in any place to anyone. And the practice of nothing, yet, which is all there is to mental malpractice, can accomplish nothing. <laughs> but it doesn't mean you ignore it. See, people go from one thing to the next. You don't ignore it or say it doesn't exist. You have to handle it or it will handle you. And Mrs. Eddy says that in her list of things to handle daily as well. You 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 get used by it because you're you're not aware of it. This is what happened to the Church of Laodicea, right? Mm -hmm. They just mm -hmm. went more and more into it. It said that it was a very prosperous city. Um, it was a banking city. It was a mercantile city. It was a medical city. And those were all the things that Jesus went after in his rebuke. Uh, all those things he uh, rebuked that they thought, oh, wow, they, they needed nothing because they had it all. They were so rich and wealthy. In some of the commentaries I read, they talk about or some of the churches are nothing more than religious country clubs. Yeah. And, they, and they, they want the church to be for them, what they want, their pleasant existence, their, uh, you know, going to lunch or feeling good about themselves. And uh, But it, it's, it's not a matter that this is God's church and what God would have. Um, and that's very, very dangerous. And he said he'll spew it out. Mm -hmm. Spew it out. Vomit. And that means this this yeah. that makes him sick. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sickening. It's useless. It has no help. Yeah. It, it also goes on in society today. People will join a church if it goes along with their own personal right. preference of how they think should go. Yeah. And come on, where's God? And where's the feeling like you really need something? You know, uh, we have this hymn, I need thee every hour. Right. You know, that yeah. is also a shot at human pride because pride would say, I don't need anything. Yeah, I'm that's okay. it. Pride would say yeah. that. But human yeah. and growth and strength of character will say, I need thee every hour. Yes. <laughs> and I pride will also make you forget that you chose God. If you choose something, that has to be a fervency and, and a care consistently with it. I mean, why did you choose it? Yeah. There's See, also a wonderful article by, um, or sermon by Spurgeon. Yes. I don't know if anybody looked it up. An earnest warning against lukewarmness. Number yeah. 1185. And that it's, boy, this it really goes into a lot of details about, but it's a wonderful so if anybody's interested in it, it's, it's very good. Yeah, and also Kratzer uh, in his revelation. Very good. Had yes, a, I thought so had good. a very good explanation of this, which is yes. scientific. When we try to mix matter and spirit as real substance, when we try yeah. to have real substance in material things and spiritual things, we're, we're, we're fighting ourselves. 
We are trying to reconcile two opposites which are not reconcilable. And we are lukewarm because we're not putting all of our eggs in one of those two baskets. <laughs> Better you have a firm believer that matter is substance who will eventually find out that that's wrong or, you know, or a believer that only spirit is substance. But when you try to mix the two, you're going to end up in a mess and you'll, you'll feel like you're being spewed out, <laughs> spewed out because life will be discordant all the time. It can't work. So you're trying to make an impossibility possible. It's not so. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> and that is the I try scientific explanation of this statement in Revelation. And those few pages in the Kratzer book are, are, again, we can't, we don't have time to go over it all, but it's, it's, they're wonderful, clear explanations to this, the Christian science, um, the adulteration, yes, as Gary just explained, of matter and then true substance of spirit. And it was also read in his readings on Christian healing Wednesday night, page 16. Metaphysical science teaches us there is no life, substance, and intelligence but God. How much are you demonstrating of this statement? Which to you have the most actual substance? Wealth and fame or truth and love? See to it, O Christian scientist ye who have named the name of Christ with a higher meaning, that you abide by your statements and abound in love and truth. For unless you do this, you are not demonstrating the science of metaphysical healing. The immeasurable life and love will occupy your affections, come near your hearts and into your homes when you touch but the hem of truth's garment. This is the hang-up for a lot of people who aren't experiencing healing. This is it. She says, see to it, O Christian scientist. You've named the name. Now you got to walk the walk. And there's the rub. And we all struggle with this. I mean, we seem to be in the flesh. It's not like it's, it's easy, but we work at it day by day, moment by moment. So the Church of Laodicea became, you know, they were wealthy and they thought they thought that they had what they needed because they had some material, uh, you know, ownership of some material stuff. And they became content with that. And that was their downfall. And don't we see it today? Haven't we seen it? Christian scientists become healthy and wealthy and then wise. they become <laughs> then they become content and mentally lazy. Yeah. And they think yeah. that that is a demonstration. Right? right? Yeah. Yeah. How many testimonies yeah. have any of you ever heard of people overcoming uh you know a need and becoming wealthier or sufficiently well off or healthier and then they leave it at that 
They don't come yeah. back to the Christ to give thanks for their healing and follow the Christ and, and grow from there spiritually. They become content. And that is what that is what has infected so many of the branch churches. It has certainly infected the Boston organization, the human mind taking over, becoming content with material stuff, and then they lose the spirit. Yeah. And that's the and that and then and then they close. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They don't attract. It's so important. Yeah, that is so important. I, I saw it in the branch church when I was a branch. I mean, that is just the path that I've come from. And I just I boy, that is so important what you're saying. I mean, that's just. <laughs> well, many, many of us have, have gone through that and seen it. And we would have as a church, we would have continued in that organization, you know, if we could. But God had something more important for yeah, us to God do, and and they and they kicked us out. Well, and and our, we are so grateful for that. <laughs> we thank them every day for kicking us out of their organization. <laughs> and then you know, uh, Eustace thanked them yeah, for yeah. kicking him yeah. out of their organization. You know, so many of the people that they've excommunicated have gone on to be the best workers in the world. And grateful for having been kicked out of the human organization that would have stifled them. Yeah. You know, Christian scientists have been, have been known to be some of the wealthiest people on earth. I mean, Thomas tells me about that of the Principians he's known. And and Florence tells me about that, about the uh, the nursing home in Princeton. Yeah. yeah, billions of dollars, right. evidently. The church itself, yes. it, it is a byproduct, but what are you going to do with all that money? What did Mrs. Eddy do? You give back. And one of the um, commentaries, I thought this was kind of interesting, said, consider this statistic. On average, people give smaller per percentage of their incomes today than they did during the Great Depression. Huh. Wow. Well, <laughs> no, now what is that? And we have more and more wealth, obviously, since then. That's because in the Great Depression, there was more reliance on God. And so they trusted yeah. him more. While today, we are, we are one of the commentaries we listed, especially America, all the things, you know, we're the banking, we're the mercantile, we're the medical, boom, 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 wealthy, relying on it. And what was that from the Amazing Grace movie, Jeremy? Oh, yes. Uh, the shopkeeper said to Hosea, our gods are doing just fine by us. Yeah, he didn't want to hear the prophet. Nobody wants to hear any rebukes or feel uncomfortable about anything because it's it's more pleasant just to it's a lot of it. plot along. Can I, can I end with sure. something? Uh, is everyone finished? Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Everyone's finished first. Yeah, we don't need to. Yeah, we don't need off. to close right at 11. Did anyone else have something? Because many of you brought wonderful things to share. Yeah. This discussion could have, have gone on for hours. have some more time if you have. So. Yeah. Well, I'll read something that I put in my notes. Uh, 
So this is in John chapter 14, verse 23. So Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. So I kind of like this because we're talking about being neutral, uh, lukewarm, tepid about things, right? And this is talking about um, when you're really, you know, seeking God, and this is what's going to happen. We will come unto him and make our abode with him. Thank you. That's beautiful. And and it did, it brings out, despite, even though he had not, the Christ said not one good thing to say about this church. Um, he he says, but yes, knock, knock. You, if you open the door, I will come. And that idea of supping with you means, you know, spend time and, and love you. The, the invitation is always there, no matter how far gone you seem to be, as this church seemed to be. The invitation to join the Christ is ever with us. So no one need ever to despair. It's just beautiful. This whole, this whole revelation discussion has meant so much to me. Anybody else? I just wanted to say well, so you know. Well, it can happen to Paul. Go on. <clears throat> Go on, Jeremy. I just wanted to say it is kind of nice coming to Christian science and knowing like pretty much everything you did before is wrong. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, I, I often think that now if anything approaches the way that I used to think or the tools I used to use, I can know that it, that's the wrong way. So that, that's quite helpful. So I'm sure later to see it. You know, at least some of them must have known. Okay, no, I don't do that anymore. Bruce, <laughs> right. well, and as it says in Revelation three verse nineteen, as many as I love, I rebuke yes. and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. So here's Jesus saying, although he has nothing good to say about them, yes. he loves them, yeah. and that's why he's rebuking them. Yes. Right. And that is not being austere. That is the greatest love there could be. It's not easy to have to do that, um, but it must be. And you cannot be sympathetic to an error or you will let it grow. It, it's compassion is to rebuke it. And as last week's lesson said, you rebuke it and then you establish the claims of God. If the person will take the rebuke, if it reaches them. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Who else? Well, I was just going to say that Paul is a perfect example of somebody who looked like he'd be long, you know, he was useless. He was, well, he wasn't, he was killing Christians, but look what happened to him. Right. He wasn't lukewarm. He, no. was, <laughs> he was not. That was one thing no. Mr. Evans always emphasized. Better you had somebody that was argumentative and fiery on one side then this lukewarm, indifferent, la, 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 don't care. Um, yes, much better because she, it, it, and Carpenter talks about the lively hunting dog. The lively hunting dog is the one that can be trained to be a wonderful worker for his master. Right. And Paul had an honest conviction. Yes. And yes. the honest yeah. conviction is what God can use. Yes. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. Who else? Well, one more brief thing I wanted to say that was pointed out to me in this was John's role 
in this whole thing too. He was the one that was going to be prepared to receive the revelation. I just never saw him as, as you know up there with Christ Jesus and Mary Baker, but his role was extremely important, and so it was all leading to his to of his being the one to reveal to to receive the revelation from Jesus. I just never. Yeah, living stones we each in our place. May we be worthy such grace. Conveniently sent to Patmos so that it was quiet and he could hear right. it. Yeah, hear the conveniently all God's plan. Mm -hmm. And yeah. Jesus knew it was going to happen years and years before mm -hmm. when um, Peter asked him, what about right. him? And Jesus says, what's it to you if he is to remain? Right. He knew even at that time that John would remain and receive the revelation. Yeah. Wow, interesting. Well, there's yeah. very vision mm -hmm. by Jesus who knew what was what, what, what was to be. And we're talking about years and years in advance. Thank you. I never understood. Yeah. That's the yeah, thank you for that. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you all. And I just thank wanted you, to end on one thing. Yeah, Linda's got something. Yeah. It was from a commentary. Uh like from Bible study tools that it was talking about amen specifically in Revelation 14 apparently but I had never really under uh, thought about what amen meant and I just love it because it's the way we use our we and our watches the word of truth will not be reversed and it'll go out so the, I just thought others might find this interesting it says amen is the Greek a-M-H-N, I don't know how that's pronounced. And uh, the root meaning is to be firm, stable, sure, established, and trustworthy. It's used in Isaiah 65, 16 of God as the God of truth, literally the God of amen. And then we end with, in reference to Revelation 3, 14, where we're speaking from, it says, amen. Also, is the idea of finality or the last word. It is used of our Lord as the true one, the last word, the final authority in each individual's life, as well as for the entire world. As used of Christ, it points to him as the end, the finality and certainty of all things. With him, one needs no substitutes, no subtractions, no additions. With Christ Jesus, there is no further search needed for truth, for in him are hid all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Thus, every promise he makes is true. And then it says, and every will he pronounces shall come to pass. <laughs> I missed that part. But anyways, I just thought that was beautiful uh, to have that understanding yeah. of amen and our amen. Yeah, it's kind of tucked in there. Um, yeah. I had read too, it meant this is the truth and this is an important truth. So take heed, listen up fellows. Yes. So yes, yes, this barely, is- Barely, barely. Barely, barely, right. Amen. Amen. And also like when people say period at the end of a right. sentence. Yeah, yeah. Like, I yeah, mean this. this. <laughs> yeah, right. 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 Yeah. Right. No further discussion. Thank That's you. what Kletty said. The conclusion is in the beginning. Amen. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Thomas. Well, thank you, everybody. Yeah, um, I feel blessed.
that everybody joined in. I feel blessed that we had this uh, Bible study today, and uh, I hope everybody joined in feels the same way. Yes, me too. Thank you. Thank you. Will we be two weeks the next one? It'll be October 15th. October. November 19th, I believe, and then December 17th. But it's on the website if you want. Yeah. October 15th. Okay. October is the next one. We'll, we'll see, see y'all in, in four yeah. weeks. And thank you all for coming. Thank you. 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 Thank you.